spoken to Jeff Andrews before about Philosophy Football FC and the new book that was launched at the Italian Cultural Centre in Belgravia Square. A few doors down, I found this out last week, where the Duke of Kent was born. Did either of you know this? The Duke of Kent, the Queen's cousin, was born on Belgravia Square. No, but Filippo will tell you that Mourinho used to live very close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At number, at number 10, he still has a place there. Well, oh, does his daughter yeah, not live there? The, possibly. Hmm. I don't know. He still has the, He still owns the the mansion there at number 10, I think. Wow. Number 10, Belgrave Square, the one with the scaffolding was on. Oh, right. Oh, no, uh, I'm going to have to have yeah. a look and, and bring my yeah. like, community shield printout to kind of lay yeah. it there as a, as a token. So, Jose Mourinho has lived in... Spain, Italy, and England, and so has Filippo Ricci, who is the co-author of this book. Yeah. Now, um, Filippo, what do you think uh, QPR will get up to next season? Do you think Michael Beale is a very good appointment? But he does, yeah. But I, don't know that, I don't know him. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's difficult for me to answer. I don't know him. I hope that uh, QPR does well uh, because of Jeff, because he's a great supporter. But uh, my knowledge of the situation of QPR is uh, terminates there. Oh, that's a shame. But I you must look have... at the results. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> but you must have when you Nothing were playing. Else. When you were playing for Philosophy Football FC, you must have learned so much about the various QPR players, like Darren Peacock. Does that name mean yes. anything to you? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had this uh, Argentinian that was uh, a character, uh, the right back. Uh, with yeah, Gino Padula. Gino Padula. Gino Padula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we had Pauline, another Argentinian, mm-hmm. uh, a very good player who went, yeah. went to Spain. Alexandro Pauline. Um, yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, well, one of our players, Johnny, was um, a friend of Filippo's, Lele, was uh, doing his doctor's training at Hammersmith Hospital oh. and uh, recruited um, some very interesting players, some of whom were at the, well, one of whom was at the launch, uh, people, people back, who was at the launch. And also he, he recruited a, um, a Californian from San Diego, Eric. They were both training doctors. And uh, Eric was a striker. Uh, his strike partner was a Mexican. Uh, Edgar, a chef, so it was a sort of North-South American partnership. But I heard that e- Eric is now um, typical Californian story. He's now a that works. He's got his own craft brewery, mm-hmm. so he's given up his medical career and has become a craft brewer. But when Lelly was in London, he's a Milan supporter, but he adopted QPR. So when I was in Italy, Lelle had my QPR season ticket. Oh, that's brilliant. I would love to know more because this is a human story based around football and philosophy, two things which has, have gone together. And I was, it was lovely to get back to uh, Belgravia Square to see the Monty Python uh, football philosopher sketch, which I'd never fully seen. But it has a brilliant end. And especially as someone who studied Greek philosophy, uh, I'm glad that the, the philosophers beat the Germans. Uh, let us hope that the English beat the Germans tonight. Uh, but I don't care. I don't care about that level. I'm more interested in how football brings people together. And but for Philosophy Football FC, you probably wouldn't know each other. I mean, there might be a chance that you'd have bumped into one another, right? Yeah, true. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it would be, let's say, more difficult. Mm. Football is the level. Yeah, we we knew each other in Regent's Park. And uh, and from then on, we we built a strong uh, friendship. And uh, yeah, through football and the club and and the team that uh, Jeff has built uh, during the years. So yeah, that's uh, that's quite simple. 
Now, Filippo, you came in, and this is what the bump of the book says, that it said that you demanded a cultural revolution on and off the pitch. <sighs> uh, Jeff, did you agree with this revolution? Were you all for it? Yes. I mean, um, you know, I should say that in the early years, we, it was not a very philosophical experience, let's say. So, you know, we lost many matches. It was a bit like a, a, a bad Sunday league team. We lost many matches, and it wasn't very enjoyable particularly um and you know we didn't stay together very much as a team we did i mean we you know go to the pub after a defeat but uh, it changed i mean the one change happened just before philippe arrived which was when we went to zurich so we discovered that we liked european football and it was a bit different from you know sunday league football so that was a kind of beginning but then the change philippe made was much more fundamental so it was changing the mentality of the team, you know, to, to be more competitive, uh, but also changing the culture off, off the pitch as well, so that we stayed together as a team and built sort of friendships and very strong, but a very strong camaraderie in the team, which was evident, I think, as, as the as team solidarity, you know, grew. It was particularly evident that actually, we obviously we won some championships, but uh, when we moved from Sundays in Regent's Park, we moved to week day evenings in Paddington Wreck made a veil playing on Monday and Wednesday we, had, we were in Hackney Marshes before mm. it was not a great success so we've in a way you know made a veil seemed to be to, to work for us we, won, we had to play twice a week in made a veil and, and um, we won the league despite having started quite late and one of the things that kept us going was at the end of every match on a Monday and Wednesday the team would eat together at this tapas bar that Filippo had found because he used to live in Maidervale when he first arrived in London. And we were there, you know, until midnight talking about the match and eating good food and running for the last underground home. And that was, you know, so that, that's an example of the sort of thing that Filippo brought to the team, you know, off the pitch, the sort of cultural change off the pitch, which is very important to keep people together. And I should say, before I bring Filippo back in to comment on that favourably, uh, congratulations on this book launch. The nibbles were and wine were top quality at the one I went to. And I apologise that I couldn't go on to Owl Bookshop in Kentish Town uh, for, the, for the book launch proper. And that was happening while Italy were losing to Argentina, blah, blah, blah. At this, the finalissima that I'd never heard of before. Is that new, the finalissima? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's a new thing. I don't know if they, they played before, but uh, quite strange to me why they did it. Uh, and then in London and between Italy and Argentina, it um, still remains uh, obscure to me. Mm. But, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to imagine the conversations that have gone on. All, all that I will say is that this week, Seth Blatter and I think it's Platini uh, are going to be answering questions about FIFA's finances. Are you having to cover this for the Gazzetta della Sport? Are, no. you, are you covering it? No? no, no, there is a... No, no, we, we cover it, but there is someone else. It's not a, what I'm, um, I have to do. So, okay. yeah, but uh, there is kind of attention uh, on this and uh, let's see what, uh, what, they, what they will say, what they will come up with. I mean, it will give me an impetus to actually learn Italian. I, we had an au pair called Assunta from Napoli, Maron. Uh, so my uh, Italian doesn't yeah. go beyond, like, muchach and ragazza. It really is quite appalling. Yeah. So if I were oh, yeah. to pick up Italian, I would be able to read your pieces on Spanish football at the Gazzetta della Sport. Are you aware that in the early 1990s, Italian football was the hot thing in 
in England because it was on the telly because Paul Gascoigne was there. So would people kind of pick your brains about Calcio? Yeah, yeah, I know because I I work with uh, Channel Four when I arrived. In, the, in September 2000, it Brilliant. was the last season of uh, Football Italia in um, on uh, Channel 4. And then we moved to British Eurosport and then we end up in with Bravo. So I know what they are talking about. I, I was part of the of the, the falling of the great empire of uh, James Richardson. Oh, it was, yes, it was probably like Rome in 350. It was it was on its way down. Exactly. It wasn't I anything to do with late. anyone, but yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I really liked uh, James Richardson yeah. and uh, it was great, great moments for me. But yeah, uh, yeah I arrived when... Uh, uh, basically, you know what what happened? That before the games uh, the, in Italy were played all at the same time, and it was a perfect time because in England you couldn't watch uh, uh, games uh, of the of the Premier League. The blackout, yeah, uh, of the yeah of the newborn Premier League. So this this was attra- what attracted many people towards Italian football because you could see a very good league, great players, uh, and then obviously with Gascogne even more, but the interest was there anyway, and uh, for free, because it was uh, on Channel 4. So it was a great success, but then when the games started to um, be kind of uh, televised on Friday, Saturday, Monday, whatever, then the slot that Channel 4 had at uh, Sunday 2 or 3, mm-hmm. um, you could get uh, Sampdoria Udinese. That it wasn't that, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't the best. Or Atalanta Genoa. And so this is why they, on Channel 4, they decided to, to leave after 10 years, I think. I see. And that, that puts me in but, mind of how in Spain, it's only until recently. The, the, the big two clubs get all the money and they've realised apparently that's not good for business. So are you given the season that's just gone, which is Real Madrid sweeping all before them, because Barcelona have fallen down so much financially, do you foresee a kind of Celtic or Bayern Munich domination by Real Madrid in the next five years? Is there a danger that your no. job's going to get dull? No, no, no. Uh, last year, Atletico won. Mm-hmm. So, and then before there was Barcelona... Barcelona will struggle, but uh, I don't see, you know, obviously Real Madrid is the best team at the moment because they, they also did uh, the, the, the things in a proper way under uh, the uh, financial aspect. But uh, no, I don't see a domination like Bayern with uh, 10 titles in a row or Juventus in Italy or PSG in, uh, in France. I see. And, and... Just, sorry, just, just to come back to Football Italia because Filippo was a pundit with James Richardson alongside... You know, the late Ray Wilkins, Roberto Di Matteo, and also Luther Blissett, because you're a Watford supporter. Who was in Milan for a year, uh, There is a kind of, a sort of small Luther Blissett story in the book, I suppose you could say, because uh, Filippo got to know know him, and on one occasion, we actually had a ticket for him to come to Rome with us, but he couldn't uh, come because he he was going for, I think, an interview at a non-league club. Mm -hmm. But also, we play three-sided football in the Luther Blissett League because in Italy, Luther Blissett has taken on a, quite a radical I've got the book. interpretation. Yeah, it's, it's an yeah. amazing story about like a, a group of anarchists <laughs> have used Luther yeah. Blissett as the name by which the collective... Yeah, I haven't read Q because exactly. it's a long, frightening book, but yeah. Luther, we should yeah. say, it'll, it's now the Luther Blissett OBE. Yeah. He got given it because he's been doing a lot of work in the community in Watford, where I am. Uh, he does a lot of work with the community, yeah. with the mayor, and he's kind of the, the human form of Graham Taylor on earth. But Luther is 
I, I know people that know Luther, one of the nicest men in football, Filippo. Yeah. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed uh, spending time with him. We 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 built a, a nice relationship and it was it was uh, very funny and uh, also very intelligent and yeah, we we tried but then he wasn't convinced. He was a bit scared by the the anarchist and so he thought uh, uh, he could get involved in something that he didn't wasn't controlling. So, mm. yeah. And then he decided not to come. But uh, but still, I have uh, great memories. And uh, Joe Jordan was there too, and then other Italians. Yes. Yeah, so, well, how was uh, how was Joe Jordan's Italian? Because he, he spent time there, and I know he's a yeah. he's a feisty chap. He's he's kind of got a, yeah, an Italian yeah. temperament. No, no, not at all. No? He's, he's he's very kind. He's very calm and gentle. It's uh, totally different from what he was on the pitch. And his Italian was uh, was okay. Despite, I think he, he only stayed there for two, maximum three seasons. But he's still very fond of Verona. He recently went to a funeral of Machetti, that was a player and then a, a, a director at Verona. Uh, he died a month ago, I would say. And uh, Joe flew from UK, and uh, so he's still, uh, he has still good, good, good memories and good friends. That's brilliant. And it was a very nice person. Excellent. Well, I I yeah. apologize. Uh, mistake. I'd love to read Joe Jordan's book because he played in an era when you could tackle. You've been reporting, uh, and Jeff, you've been watching football in an era where the tackle from behind was outlawed, the pass back rule either came in or was abandoned. I can't remember what happened to the pass back rule, but one day a keeper could pick it up and the next they couldn't. Um, and now we've got yeah. video. So. I wonder if football in the last 30, 40 years has become more about the system because the individual play has been so disrupted by the law. There will now be no law, unless they change the offside again, to restrict what a roving playmaker can do or what happens between the lines. Because it's my opinion that it's going to be a World Cup of systems, not of players. The best system is going to win. So I'll ask you, Jeff, first... Well, on the on the question of tackling, uh, Filippo will will tell you about his early impressions of tackling on a on a, on a in the Sunday League at Regent's Park, which was different from his experience of yes. what was tackling and what was fair play in Rome. I think, and then on the yes. on the playmaker thing, we also have an example because um, you know another Italian. In fact, I think the first Italian that Filippo brought to the team, uh, Marco Capagelato, was the the first of four Marcos we had in the team. Was a was a number ten, and you know in South London on a Sunday there weren't so many n- number tens at that time. It was probably still four four two or, or something. And so you know he was uh, he made a big impression in changing our team and also playing you know in a role where it was difficult for the opposition to pick him up. He was sort of floating. So in a sense we we did um, you know we we changed the system as well. You know learning from you know, the, the Italians in the team and, uh, and other things. Uh, but anyway, Phil will tell you about the tackling, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think also the, the English teams were, were suffering a bit in Europe because they had the kind of different rules. What was the, what was permitted um, in UK uh, wasn't, wasn't at all tolerated uh, in Europe. And, uh, and for me, it was amazing because uh, you know if you, if you move that to Sunday League or whatever they, any any you know amateur league, uh, there was uh, a disposition and it was there was uh, the possibility of uh, you know tackling in a way that uh, in Europe 
was uh, inadmissible and uh, and was sanctioned by fouls or even you know yellow cards or red cards. Here it wasn't even a foul. Mm-hmm. So here, when I say here, it, it means I mean London. And uh, so that that was uh, amazing because obviously it changes the. The, the the way of play you can do or you can suffer things that uh, uh, in other in other countries uh, would have been punished or so you can you are permitted to play stronger or and uh, you have to adapt and uh, so there were many things you have to adapt because yeah the, the ball was flying and uh, was uh, not so much on the ground and uh, but we changed all that and um, and the tackling we I think we we yeah, we got used. <laughs> it is, it, yes, absolutely. It is very interesting to note that no English manager has won the English Premier League. Yeah, yeah. And never. Yeah. Since uh, Chris Wilkinson. Howard, yep. uh, Sergeant Howard. Howard, yeah. And his son is also a yeah. coach, Ben, is, is coaching the Man City yeah. under-80s. I noted that yeah. in, the, in the Champions League final, Liverpool played with two Englishmen, one from Sunderland and one from the North West. The team was continental, the manager was German. Football in England, Jeff, is very strange as opposed to what it was 40 years ago just because of the opening up of borders and the Bosman ruling that, that came through under a, uh, in, the, in the mid-1990s. Is that because more Englishmen actually go abroad and find out what football happens like over there? So when you would go on these tours... And you found out how football uh, was played over there. Was it like when Alex Ferguson used to get mullered by Barcelona or Galatasaray? And he said, right, we're playing in that style now. Well, um, going abroad was a great experience for our players, you know, to, particularly the English players. I think that was a, a great experience. And I remember when we first went to Rome, just shortly after Filippo arrived, we went to Rome in December 2000. And we played against the, um, the national journalist team in, in Rome at La Bucuziana, which was the, um, the equivalent of Bisham's Abbey, the you know, training yeah. centre of the national team. And I must admit, I had a, Filippo knows this, I had a very sleepless night the night before because we, we, you know, as a team, we'd only just started avoiding heavy defeats and we were going to play on this, in this fantastic stadium with these impressive players. So, um, but actually we came up with a formation that worked on the day and uh, we actually played a bit of Catanaccio and mm. came away with a two-all draw. Uh, they had a lot of possession, but we, you know, we managed to. So that, so that was that, that was a that was a kind of bit of a, a revelation, kind of step forward that you know you can compete with other European teams. On the um, you mentioned the Bosman. In a way, you know, our team in London benefited from the sort of amateur version of Bosmans, which is pre-Brexit uh, people coming to London, you know, to work. Uh, and not only actually from Europe coming to London, but from the north of England coming to London. We had very few Londoners, even one, only one, I think, was actually born in London playing for the team. But a lot of Lancastrians, for example, coming to London. So in a way, we did, you know, we were a, a team that was um, part of the London diaspora, benefiting from all those aspects. And then I think we also, it's also fair to say that we benefited from low-cost airlines and, mm. you know, mobile phones and all those the sort of technological changes. And, and, and of course, you know, we were, when Felipe came to London, there were lots of Italians involved at Chelsea and in the Premier League. So it was, a, it was already, changes were already happening, and we, we reflected some of those changes, you know, in society and in the economy. We were able to, you know, 
benefit from that to travel and so on. And also benefiting from free... Well, is it free use of Regent's Park or would you have to pay subs for a ref? How would it work, uh, no, getting the pitch? you have to pay... Um, oh, the you, woman! You pay, pay to uh, hire the pitch. It's not very much. It's much cheaper than AstroTurf pitches. I think it's maybe half the price. And then you pay for a ref. And actually, the, the home captain has to arrange a referee. It's actually one of the... Um, quite an yeah. onerous task because it's it's quite a thankless task being a referee you know amateur football they at the time they were paid about 15 pounds or 20 pounds yeah, a match but yes this yeah you told this story at the the italian uh, yeah. cultural center which i which i hope is filmed and people can view it but it was just amazing this this teeny tiny and there, there has to be a teeny tiny woman with her armchair yeah. just ruling with the fist of iron um and you can't get on the wrong side of her but you have to have some order. That's very philosophical. You have to have some order within the chaos. And this lady yeah. provided the order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she was from um, uh, Campania, this the region of uh, Napoli, now in the south of Italy. And uh, she, was, uh, she was called Filomena, but uh, everyone uh, knew her as uh, Lady Phyllis. And she was commanding this uh, bunch of men, because uh, naked men, uh, around 250 on a Sunday morning, because there were 10 pitches, so at least uh, 22 per, per pitch, side, yeah. uh, make, makes up to uh, yeah, 150 naked men going round and uh, spreading mud, and she was uh, going mad about that and shouting. And she has this little office and uh, where I was uh, you know, invited, because I was the only one of uh, the 250 players uh, with an air dryer. So the only socket was in her room. So I was sitting on a armchair, armchair and uh, drying my hair after a match. Uh, the other 249 players uh, didn't think it was, uh, you know, something uh, relevant. And uh, and so I, I met her. I yeah, we, we knew each other quite well, and we we had fun. She was a, she was a great character. And uh, yeah, I was trying to uh, find her again, but uh, it didn't succeed. Mm. But it was uh, she was part of the of the magic of Regis Park, I would say. Yeah, and it, it is magical. And I've I've been to Hackney Marshes on a Sunday, and I've been to Regent's Park on a weekend, but I've never gone specifically to play football. Did it feel tribal? Did it feel like you belonged, either of you? And just because you used some of your precious, precious leisure hours when you weren't teaching or writing or raising families um, or having relationships, you, you bookmarked two evenings or a weekend out of your life to join your tribe. Yeah, but it was a pleasure. More, more than tribal, it's a pleasure. And then uh, I think Acne Marshes is quite tribal because uh, because of uh, the atmosphere and uh, yeah, the violence also and uh, you know the vibes in general. But uh, it, it was a pleasure, even if it was uh, raining as always or or the, the weather wasn't the best. Uh, you know, we, we we stayed together. It was uh, another family, and we saw it now with the launch of the book. Uh, we had uh, twenty five players coming oh. to the old bookshop uh, and. Uh, uh, we don't see each other that often and uh, uh, okay now we have a whatsapp group it's okay but we, it, it, many of these uh, the, these players didn't see each other for a while and uh, the, the, the bonding was still there and the, 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 the friendship and the familiarity so you know we weren't you know uh, taking time off other things we were using our time for something yes. very very nice yeah someone said that 
the best kind of leisure activity is the one where if you don't go, you really will be missed. I'm involved in an orchestra and I've had to take a few weeks off. It, it is lacking. If, if no second violins turn up, that makes for a lesser orchestra. If you are calling, I imagine right up to the button, calling on Sunday morning, we need a left back because otherwise we're going to have to stick a striker there. It, it's a masterpiece of logistics and organisation, especially in the 1990s with the house phone. Yeah, I mean, orchestra is a good analogy, actually, because obviously you know, you're part of a team, but you have a different, each member has a different role. Yeah. And then I think a football team was, was like that. We were also in two very friendly leagues, the Musical Association League that was set up, I think, originally by DJs. And we have, you know, we have musical interests in the team. And the Grafton League as well, which was a kind of friendly friendly league. So, you know, there was a lot of competition, in particular one team we were always, you know, challenging with for the, for the league title in the Grafton League, but generally it was quite friendly. And um, in our team, we were different from, I suppose, some normal Sunday league teams because we were not residence-based in one part of London and we weren't work-based. So we didn't work together. Uh, we didn't live in the same area, but we came together. And Regent's Park was very good for that because obviously it's right in the centre of London. It's a nice location. You know, and I think that, that helped. You know, people have they've found themselves like-minded, you know, similar, well, some similar interest, music being one, you know, one of the, one of them, obviously. Uh, and so it was a bit, we were able to build something that was probably able to go beyond, let's say, a, a, a typical Sunday league team. I wish, I'd, I wish I'd joined that team because I listened to a programme the other week, uh, Jack Savaretti talking about the San Remo Festival and how a lot of the 1960s English language tunes, like You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, emerged out of the Italian ballad scene and the, the songwriting yeah. over there. So I'd, I'd have to get some form of compilations. But of course, in the 90s, you had to draw on, and the 2000s, perhaps before Spotify and before YouTube, you had to draw on other people's reminiscences. So what I'd like to know here is, Filippo, were you turned on to various London musics by members of philosophy football? Yeah, the music was important. Music, uh, you know, we had a lot, lots of uh, yeah, musicians, uh, more or less famous <laughs> and uh, yeah in general music is part of london i used to i used to come to london in the 80s uh, because of the music i, I loved uh, you know clubbing and uh, the various scenes that were uh, going on at the time and uh, so um, it's always i think uh, london is uh, incredibly connected uh, with the music uh, and then uh, yeah we we, we we discovered that we had the percussionist of uh, jamiro quite yeah. playing for us and uh, that was quite fun because we didn't know it. And then uh, all of a sudden we discovered that it was on a world tour and he was playing for this. Uh, at the time was uh, an enormous pop band. Uh, so it's, uh, music is, uh, well, apart from him, in general, was a big part. We, we used to do CDs for ourselves. We mm -hmm. did three, three compilations of uh, music uh, for, for us. Uh, every player was picking up a song. And uh, so it was a very important part of the of the, of the team. That's brilliant. That's red. Yes, Jeff told me about Jamiroquai's percussionist. Would you ever have wanted J.K. to come along as a ringer? I bet he can play. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he never. He never appeared. Oh so yes, yes. Sunday. To play. 
Sunday morning wouldn't be his time, you're right. I don't know, I don't know. But uh, but uh, Schola was coming and uh, that was nice. He was there also last week with us at the the launch and uh, it's nice. It's nice uh, nice to see very different people from uh, 24, I think, nationalities and uh, different continents, uh, very different backgrounds and we, we stay together because of uh, of the friendship and the football and the philosophy and all all we were kind of uh, aiming for and uh, you know uh, believing for yeah yes football is life the book is philosophy football fc written by jeff andrews and filippo ricci it's available as an ebook for a tenor and as a physical book my book had a thousand as a as a first print run i hope your print run sells out our philosophy has many strands i think um and obviously we discovered towards the end slow foot which, which was really a, a sort of different approach to football um one that was more critical of the commodification of football and of course three-sided football which was you know really changing the the rules of the game if you like uh three goals three teams the teams that concedes least is the winner so we that, had our own yeah. philosophy all, all through our history, we're trying to reconcile, if you like, football and philosophy. So we started off with philosophy, philosophers not very good at football. And then we managed, with Filippo's help and others, to change that. So we started to win some championships and so on. And then we, towards the end, we wanted to rediscover stronger philosophy, which we did with um, three-sided football and, and slow foot. So it was a, this tension, if you like, like a creative tension throughout the team. Um, but, you know, we, I think the tours were the things which um, gave us this sort of momentum, really. Because when you travel, uh, all these experiences and, you know, you, you begin to meet other teams and you develop these this sort of internationalist friendships. So the tours, 20 tours or so, was, was really crucial. I've, I'm just so sad I was too young and I was probably <laughs> probably would be too antisocial for this kind of thing. But it's certainly, it's the most wonderful, that and the Kanifa story about like Matabelliland fundraising to come over to London to play a football tournament for nations that don't exist. This book is in that category, uh, and I really hope it gets a readership. There is also a Twitter account, Phil underscore football, and I wish you both the best of luck in, I guess, having a nice summer. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Thanks. Just like a library.